0: Hello, hello, this is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, Jamie Goldstein. Jamie's had an unconventional path to her job as vice president of Fishbowl Productions. Fishbowl is Vim Debona's company, and for those of you who don't know who Vin is, he is a TV legend best known for creating America's Funniest Home Videos back in the late 80s. Jamie talks about her ambitions, expanding that clip brand into premium content. And she's very open and vulnerable about how hard it can be to sell any content, which is something that any development person can relate to. I certainly do. And especially when you are a natural introvert. So enjoy my conversation with Jamie. Okay, so I'm here at the beautiful offices at Fishbowl. Vindabona Productions with Jamie Goldstein. Hi, Jamie. Hi. So I always start the podcast by saying how I've met my guest. And even though we've only met, you were, came highly recommended by Brant Pimvidic, who I love. I'm sure you do too. Everyone loves Brant. Brant is the man. And how do you know him?
1: Brant and I, God, we met through Hans Schiff, who um, an was her agent. agent at CAA. Um, he introduced us some time ago, and Brant and I hit it off, and um, we just started talking from there. And now he and I work together on quite a few projects. So
0: I thought Brant's out of TV. Is it? Am I in? Is he going he back is, in? But uh, <laughs> he and I he he'll consult me on a few things from time to time. So he's an amazing connector. He knows everyone.
1: Oh my God, is he ever? He's wonderful. And he is also the best Teppanyaki chef. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Wait, what's ta- I know I see him do all kinds of crazy things online. But His what is in-
1: Instagram is a wild place.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> first of all, okay, so he lives in Santa Clarita, like up in that. Yeah. So he's got this huge spread with like this amazing outdoor kitchen. He
1: has mini horses. Yes. Like remember the turkey something animals. Yeah. Yeah, and then he also has like a Benny Hanna grill right. that he like, you know, like will make like onion volcanoes at and like cook for people. I went to one you did dinner. Go. Yeah. It was, it was a fun experience. He does the whole thing. He does nothing lightly. He, he
0: rejects average. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, that's his thing. That's literally exactly. his thing. No, he, exactly. he makes me feel, I always tell him this, like he makes me feel like the laziest human being because he really lives every moment to its fullest. Oh my
1: God. I know. I saw something the other day. He was traveling and he showed a video on his Instagram of, um, his hotel room. He set up a standing desk in his hotel room. Like he put a side table on top of a desk, and like I was yeah. like, "Oh my god!" Like he set up double monitors in there. I was like, "Anything's I, possible." I yeah, guess. I was like, yeah. "Oh my god!" I'm lazy. I yeah. I have to get yeah. with the program.
0: I know. I kind of <laughs> want him to like do like a daily meditation thing for me, so I can listen to it every morning and get like all jacked up, like Rocky.
1: Oh, that's a good idea. Right? Listen, you we need do to do a dinner with Brant.
0: Yeah, dinner with dinner with Brant. Yeah. yeah. He said people <laughs> yeah. it's like he's like the hottest commodity in our business now because like so many people who want to get out of the business are like Brant did it and he's super successful. Like how do we how do we do it? Like can I pick your brain, Brant, you know, and it's kind of funny because yeah. there are very few people that can capitalize on kind of what he's done and turn it into a different career. I think, you know, but you know what? This, this podcast is not about Brant. Yeah. Brant, we okay. love you, but we've wasted way too much time <laughs> on you. I know. So let, on. Let's get to you. So he said that you and I would love each other. You are a native Californian. Yeah. Or Angelino, I guess. Yeah, I
1: grew up here. Um, I, I grew up in Beverly Hills, um, which uh, was interesting. Yeah, um, did you go
0: to 90210? I I or did argue? go to Beverly High. <laughs> what with um, anyone famous? Uh I don't know, like Little Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Isn't it Lil?
1: <laughs> I don't know. But that, yeah, that was uh
0: Okay, that's your that's your claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, God forbid, but is it <laughs> is it really like the cliche in Beverly, you know growing up in Beverly Hills? does it feel like it's just crazy amounts of money and everybody's affected, or is it way more down to earth than we're led to believe?
1: Um I think that it is certainly a bubble. Um, I think that I didn't realize how privileged the lifestyle was until I left um where'd you go I I left for college I went to school in Rhode Island uh I went to art school there
0: did um, you go to RISD yeah wow yeah. that's very prestigious for it people who even, don't know that's like the place
1: yeah it was it was a wonderful experience and I what left. did you
0: want to do like what was your major I what? studied
1: painting there actually wow um so that was an even smaller bubble
0: um, <laughs> okay, I think you might be the first true artist that I've interviewed who was, what made you go, okay, well, we'll get there, but I don't even understand how this, how did you come to the dark side? So you were a painter, and then what did you think, you did you want to be a working artist? I was a painter,
1: um, and I thought I was going to move to New York and do fine art, I, I've done um, nude figure drawing uh, since seventh grade, I thought that that was going to be like what I studied, and Then in college, I started getting very interested in performance art and video, and then one thing led to another. My whole family's in the business, in the entertainment business, and I was kind of um, always like, I'm never going to wind up here. I don't want to ever do this. Who
0: Uh, who does what in the family?
1: um, My dad's a sitcom writer. Oh, cool. um, Which shows... He did uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Sister, Sister, Wayne's Brothers, Jamie Foxx show. Oh, my gosh. Um, like, all the kind of, like, 90s. Right. Yeah. The best TV ever. stuff. Um, yeah, and my stepmom does PR, and my mom was a producer at Playboy. So I, everyone in the family is kind of, like, in the mix. And I was always like, ugh, like.
0: Right. You wanted never, to get away.
1: Yeah. Um, and so then somehow... I think I just realized that I was uh, leaning into it because in college, I—I I don't know how we started talking about my college experience, but um, well, it's interesting because it's I, very
0: unique to um, TV people.
1: Yeah, I, I, um, I was doing performance art a lot in school.
0: Um, what does that mean?
1: I was like I making just... weird <laughs> video stuff and like started realizing that like maybe I should try it live and start, became very interested in standup comedy. Um, and that's when my interest kind of took me into comedic management. So you didn't
0: want to be a stand up comic?
1: I tried it. Okay. So how tell, so let's time. hear about
0: that. That was right after school. You moved to New York? I
1: moved I moved back to LA. Okay. Um and I did it for
0: a bit. Um and what was your what was your act? Was it your own experience? It was, was it more embarrassing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we don't, we can glaze over that, Lisa. Uh, were you
0: were you bombing or were you No,
1: I mean it just was like
0: It wasn't a fit. It's
1: the most unnatural thing in the world to me because okay. it's like when else are you standing in front of a crowd like, and everyone's <laughs> staring at you and you're trying to make them laugh. Like, it's like the weirdest experience. Like, right. I just felt-
0: But yet, like, people who are professional comedians will say it's the most natural. So that's how you knew yeah, it wasn't- Yeah, I was like, I don't get off yeah, on this. This like, is not this, this for you.
1: This doesn't turn me on in any way. Yeah, so I just was over it. But you got interested it, in that world. I got interested in the world, for sure. Um, And I started working in that space, I started working with, um, booking comics on, um, shows like tripping on Tuesdays and like these kind of, um, nights at, at the comedy store. And then I don't know. Then I started working at ABC somehow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How did that happen? Um, It was, uh, it just... My godfather at the time was had a position there and I asked, can I PA? And he was like, Yeah, and so I PA'd for seven years.
0: Okay, hold on um, a second. You just said your godfather at the time. Is he no longer your godfather? No, or he's he, no longer at ABC. No, 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 he's no longer at ABC. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you had like a falling out with <laughs> no, your godfather. No, no. no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> um, Is it Bob Iger? No, it? Okay. Are you being humble?
1: <laughs> um he, uh, yeah. So he got me an internship and and or a PA job, and I started peeing there. And then one thing led to another, and I was peeing for a long time. And I peed in every department, and I kind of like got an understanding of the entertainment industry.
0: So what did you have? Own. Where were the various? What were the various departments?
1: Um, I worked in casting. I worked in the art department. Um, I worked in what else did I do? I did production. I did. Uh, costume I did I did a lot it was it was a uh, uh, kind of like another way of look sorry spam no problem. it was um, it was like schooling again because I didn't know production at all I had an art background so it was like learning it from the ground up again S-
0: so of all the departments that you PA'd in, what was the most interesting to you? I
1: did art department for a long time, um, and then I started art directing, and that's kind of, and then I joined the union.
0: Okay, so time. what does art directing actually mean to the layperson? And by layperson, I mean I don't actually know what that is.
1: It's like build, the building of sets and, um, you know, production design and um you know i was dealing with a lot of the management of the budgets and um designing the overall look of a show and
0: so what shows
1: so we did mistresses cougar town scrubs um and yeah it was uh what else grandfathered with john stamos um I worked on on a lot of them uh and that was fun but I felt like there was a ceiling to it
0: meaning I, that like you didn't see yourself wanting to stay in that world or I felt like I wasn't um
1: happy <laughs> uh <laughs> okay I felt like it was creative but it wasn't I wasn't building my own thing. It felt like I was always working on someone else's thing. Mm -hmm. And I never felt like I was able to conceptualize something from the ground up and construct it and add all the moving parts and it
0: didn't feel natural. Did you feel like you could do that and you just weren't being given the opportunity?
1: I felt like I could never come out of, especially after joining a union, I felt like I was pigeonholed there and there was no way I could ever kind of break out of that in the scripted world. And it was like going to be impossible for me to ever move out from that land. Um, So I started creating tapes of my own. So Um, what does that mean? I, I, I created two sizzle reels by myself about the world of underground
0: hip-hop at the time. So what was that? like? How did you get interested in that world?
1: Um, I think I've always been fascinated by it, and I think I've always felt a draw to hip-hop in general. Um, And, you know, growing up in L.A., I think I had an understanding of that and the artists in the space. And I created a tape about it like a competition series and um, I was doing that as I was working on the show grandfathered and I decided without really having a lot of knowledge of how development worked or anything like that just kind of like blind faith um, that I was going to go and pitch it around and see if I could get some traction and I pitched it to a few companies, and then I brought it here. Um, and they liked it. And I said, you know, give me two months and I'll sell it. That's <laughs> what I said, like, just thinking that I would be able to get it done, having no understanding of, like, I needed a talent attachment, like, I just had a tape, you know, nothing. And then that didn't work out. Um, But during that time, I was able to create another project. Um, And that got success. So that's how I've been able to um, keep my job. (laughs) (laughs) So what was that project? Um, It was actually uh, a clip show. So the, the... it's interesting because the thing, being at this company, the constant kind of uh, struggle here is, uh, you know, do we do what this company is known for, which is clip shows, and there are a million-plus clips that Vin owns, um, and we're getting calls day in and day out, and these seem like the kind of projects that we should be just making and heaven and earth seem to open up when we have clip shows and it's easy. Um, But I'm up against, you know, what my passion is, which is like, I want to make hard hitting documentaries. And when I have talent attachments, like, like we just I've been working on projects for like two years trying to get certain talent attachments and we have these projects going and they're now working and we're getting attention for them. Like we just closed a deal with Keegan-Michael Key and we're out to networks with that now. And
0: But that's not a clip show you're saying? No. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? It's
1: about um, aging out of the foster care system in Los Angeles.
0: So what was what was the reason that you approached him about that project?
1: Um. He, we were out to, I just think that, you know, he had a real soft spot for the space and um, we had one opportunity to pitch him on the phone. And it's interesting because like, I have one chance to kind of like bring it up to him. I get one like 20 minute call and he liked it and we moved forward and he's going to narrate the whole series. Um, But it's. Uh, he he was adopted at a young age. So it made sense for
0: him. So for the kids at home, because I always try to have some takeaway from these pods, if you get 20 minutes or probably less for most people on the phone with a celebrity who you get, like you said, one chance to pitch, how do you decide how you're going to structure that call and how you're going to reel him in?
1: I think you have to have the meat and potatoes first.
0: Did you have a tape that he had already oh, seen? Yeah.
1: Like, the tape was completely built. Um, After I spoke to him, uh, we had to then go back and add in all the parts that he would um, be included in after the fact. But it's so, I mean, there has been so many iterations of this tape already to make it make sense. So I think, you know, getting on a phone call with someone like that, it's intimidating for anyone. Um, And I think that, uh, and exciting, but you need to be prepared and know what the project is. And I think that feeling confidence in the project first and understanding how it works and what the format is and being flexible and knowing when to pivot and how it makes sense for someone, that's, I think, the most important thing and not knowing what to give away to and where to lean and it's all kind of a balancing act.
0: So I want to go back to what you were saying about, because um, it's really interesting for those of the uninformed, Vinda Bona is, a, you know, one of the pioneer, well, is the pioneer in our industry for America's Home, America's Funniest Home Videos and clip shows in general like you said and he's built this empire on that and so like you said you know when you do something really well and you're known for it it's extremely lucrative it is kind of hard to a want to break out of that because why not double down on what you do really well and number 2 you're known for it so you're in a way pigeonholed in the marketplace um you know by that and my friend Beth Greenwald ran fishbowl for a few years and she definitely spread the wings of the company and did some other kinds of shows. So I think that she was want to give her some credit for kind of paving the way out of that as well. Um, and doing some docu series and some fun stuff as well, but, but to, but, but more fun, you know, like still tonally in the same kind of fun light way. So when you talk about doing something super serious, like something in the foster care space or, you know, premium documentary, heavy hitting stuff, um, I think that you're right. There's definitely probably a resistance internally, but also externally to hearing those kinds of pitches because you're not known for it. Right. So how do you, how do you come against, you know, how do you push up against that and and get it through?
1: Well, I think there is, you know, that is obviously a passion of mine to make that kind of thing. But then I also have a responsibility to the company and to the brand to do what we're known for, which is the clip. And we just had a project go into syndication um, that's a dating clip show.
0: Um, and that was something that you brought in? That was my project. And can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, it's... Um,
0: so anyway, sorry, you're saying it's a balance, basically. It's a balance. Yeah.
1: It is like... um, And that project goes in, in two months. Like, I come up with something, it's easy, and all these other things seem like it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, like pulling teeth and... and pain painstaking yeah it's horrific sometimes (laughs) um but then when it works it's so gratifying but then you know this other stuff like this dating clip show when when it's just like boom 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 how do I not pay attention to that and it would be irresponsible too as a development executive to not create those clip shows from here
0: that's a great thing to bring up because Let's hear about, you know, from conception to sales and how something when it's that obvious and easy to sell, how does that go? Like, when did you think of the idea? What was it and how did it get sold?
1: Yeah. Um, So this show is uh, a dating clip show that is, you know, I can't say everything (laughs) about the deal, but it is basically... um, a dating show format that includes clips. Um, it's hosted by Sherry Shepard um, and it's fun. It's a really, it. the idea is so simple that I knew um, when the idea came to me that it just was like, it just made sense. You know, when you have those ideas, it's just like, Oh, it's easy. You get it when you hear it. And like, boom, like you don't have to explain much. And so I told um, a distributor the concept, and they liked it. And within three weeks, we were building a stage, shooting the pilot, and we are at NAPTI um, a week or two weeks after. So it was really intense.
0: Um, so you bring the pilot to NAPTI. Mm-hmm. And so... When syndicate, so this is for syndication, right? Yes. So when you do the pilot, the distributor pays for it. That you t- that you told. Like, who pays for the pilot?
1: I mean, it depends really on I think what the production company and the distributor work out. Mm-hmm. Um, in this instance, um, I think that it was kind of. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get too into. No, I get it.
0: it, but it's it's all hands on deck to get it done. Yeah, and everyone's got skin in the game. Yes. fair to say. And then you go to Nappy, and then what? You just they line up the distributor
1: for, sets up all the meetings.
0: They do, yes, with syndicators, yes. And then it gets picked up like on first run, or how does? Because you know, I know talk shows they usually get like a certain amount of markets, and then if it works in those markets, it gets a wider run. How does it work for these kinds of shows?
1: Um, I think that it. Well, I mean, obviously, it's it's if it's like in L.A., New York, Chicago, like that's where we ideally would want to be, but. Um, they set up all the meetings. We, they create barter deals with all of the, um, station groups and then it goes out. So, um, I mean, I don't want to be too specific on it yet because it's still being negotiated. We're going to be hopefully delivering, um, this next year. So, I'm like...
0: Yeah, that's fine. You don't want to get into details. Is it a lot of episodes? 150. I mean, that's just an amazing business model. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's like it's not sexy. You know what I mean? Like, this, like... Well, the money's
0: sexy. The money's sexy. (laughs)
1: But, like, clip shows are not sexy. Yeah. Like, at all. Like, it's like, I want to make, like, this premium, beautiful stuff.
0: I totally get it. You know what it reminds me of? Because I fall into a similar camp in that I have my low-hanging fruit projects, which I know... Listen, you don't know anything, right? But I have a good feeling we'll be kinda of like no brainers that, yeah. you know, require not a ton of work to develop and get through. And then you have like your your babies and those are like the ones that you really care about that are gonna take a lot longer to develop, are gonna have a less less of a chance, you know, just because of the nature of it being your baby. Yeah. So so I get it, but I think that it's smart business to be able it reminds me of Spike Lee, how he does his commercials and then he gets to do his hard hitting documentaries that you know, are not maybe gonna get the widest, uh, you know, the widest audience, but but it's his passion projects right. and he's like, you have to do the Nike commercials to pay for those.
1: Right, right.
0: But that's, I mean, that's great that there's an opportunity in the marketplace for both.
1: You're right, you're right.
0: So your, your hip hop underground show, did that ever get sold?
1: No, no, that never got sold. And like looking back, I realize like The things I cared about then were a lot different than what I care about now. I I think that (laughs) um, then it was about, like, what I could do and, like, what I could produce and my connections and who I could attach. And, like, that mattered the most then. And, like, I think as I've, like, grown up a little bit, (laughs) I have realized that now it's more about what this brand is and how I can expand it and what makes sense coming from me at this brand. And, um, yeah, I think that um, that project didn't work because it came from a more selfish place. And I think that I wasn't... um, thinking about why did this hip hop project make sense coming from Fishbowl it didn't and i think that with every project i do now i'm really considering like if i'm making this project out of this company it needs to make sense and if it doesn't i need to attach the partner that makes it make sense so Am I adding a big piece of talent to make this make sense coming from this company? Or am I doing some kind of co-production deal with another production company who does this kind of, you know, television? Possibly. And I do that a lot. So I think that um, it's more about the who and who do I bring on and how do I make what I want to make. And the we make the most money when we do clip shows. Because we don't need to bring on any who. Because <laughs> we own every clip. Yeah. We, you know, I don't need to attach anyone or anything to do them. Um, and we're getting calls all day to do them. So why wouldn't I pay attention to that? Um, but with the other stuff, it's like, yeah, I'll make this. But it's it's harder.
0: Right. It's harder. So Yeah. Your path is so interesting because it's super non-traditional, you know, in terms of most of the people that I interview in your position. You had to do and you're having to do, I'm guessing, a lot of on the job learning, right? Because there's so many blind spots from coming from that world at ABC. What are the things that you had to and I guess maybe to an extent are still getting up to speed on in terms of whether it's, I guess, hands-on producing, development, you know, network, pitching, like, what are the things that you were like, wow, this is a whole other world? Oh, my God. Because you clearly had great instincts for making a sizzle, identifying a good idea, knowing where to go. Like, you had that innate.
1: Thank you. I mean... uh, Everything! I am (laughs) learning every day. This is hard. Like, I am... um, I am learning a lot about networking. I hate it. Like, quite honestly, I.
0: (laughs) Necessary evil.
1: It is awful to me. I never had to think about it really before this job in production. It was, it felt like everyone was a team and we're all in this together and we're going to live by this and die by this. And in development, it's like, let's all, you know, rub elbows and make friends and, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) talk about, you know, what we're up to. And it really is a game. But also not
0: share too much because someone might steal your idea. Right.
1: (laughs) And it's like, it is a much different kind of social interaction that I've noticed in this world. Um, And that's interesting to me. And that's been a new dynamic. Um, and I think that's been, uh, a part of it. That's unnatural.
0: Um, so how, for someone that's a natural, maybe naturally shy or naturally an introvert, introvert sounds like maybe you are a little bit, how do you break out of that and do it?
1: <sighs> with pain. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, <laughs> take deep breaths. <laughs> um, you have to put yourself in it. I think you have to move towards it because I believe wholeheartedly. I feel full confidence in my ideas. And I think that those I know are good and I don't doubt the things I make. And I think that um, when you believe in what you do, it's like the other stuff is just a part of the job. And it comes with the territory, and you have to do it. And if you want the idea to go and you believe in it, it's like, yeah, you got to check in with these people.
0: Do you like pitching?
1: Uh, Yes, because I I feel full confidence in my tapes. Um, And I think that the stuff I produce is really solid. Um, And I feel confidence in that. I think... A lot of the time, um, when you get in a room with someone, it can be a really gratifying experience and it feels like the idea is paying off. Like I did a project um, a little bit ago and I was able to uh, get Queen Latifah on my project and I was pitching in the room with her at every network and that felt like, wow, I'm pitching with Queen Latifah on my project in the room. And that was like a, oh my God, moment, you know? And that was exciting for me to have that. But it's nerve wracking too. Yeah. You know? How is
0: the queen in a room? Brilliant. I would think. Just, I would think. Uh, yeah. So what, can you talk about that project?
1: Yeah, that was an, another hip hop based project. That okay. was about um, how uh, hip hop has made its way into um, areas of our lives that, you um might think it like would never have anything to let me let me say that back um <laughs> it the project is about how hip hop has uh made its way into areas of our lives that you might think it has nothing to do with but has everything to do with so um it's about how hip hop made its way into art language science politics um that's interesting yeah, so that that project went out a little bit ago. Um, How's
0: the reception been?
1: That project was was harder too, and I think that um, it we're still you know looking at that and figuring out what we can do with it. Um, but yeah, that's another project that was a big construction because we're attaching Flavor Unit to it as a partner to Fishbowl. Queen Latifah, like that stuff takes time to do. Right, just to package
0: it up. And what I find so much is that it takes so long to package the project that by the time you're out selling it, the moment may have even passed because, you know, what's hot in that, you know how it is, you're capitalizing on... Whatever it is, a trend, uh, ze- something in the zeitgeist, or right. something that's doing really well that you want—like it's, it's just like this, but different—and you know—and then by the time it actually makes it even into the marketplace, it seems like it, even if it's three months ago, it seems like it was three years ago. Do you know what I mean? Totally,
1: totally, yeah. It—that's challenging. <laughs> it is. Sure. It is.
0: Well, I think it's interesting that you talk about these high-profile celebrities and attaching them and. You know, people think that, so it's a little bit like a catch 22 because in a lot of these things, it does help to attach big name talent as an EP or, you know, and then depending on how involved they are in the project. But on the other hand, it does not guarantee a sale, even if the idea is good. It doesn't. And that's the part that, I mean, I'm, I am pitching a show with a celebrity right now. That's a complete no brainer project. And I still think we'll sell it, but. I'm shocked that it wasn't a 10-way bidding war. And I rarely say that about any project. But, um, you know, it's, it's just so strange to me that there's no way of predicting. And then you see some of the things that do make it and do get greenlit. And, you know, if I was, I don't know if you've seen The Pharmacist on Netflix. Yeah. I just finished watching it. It blew me away. It was amazing. I can't imagine pitching that in a room and anyone buying it. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that was all about the tape. But you know what I'm saying? Like, to me, where else are you pitching the pharmacist? Which was one of the best things I've seen this year. Yeah. But I don't know why I brought that up. I just thought, like, those are the things that you would think in a million years, if I gave you a log line for that project, you'd be like, no. Right. But it worked, and it was so well done. So it's like nobody knows anything anymore.
1: It's true. <laughs> it's true, and people are scared.
0: People t- are really scared. Yeah. And that's in the other feedback. It's like, well, that's not a big swing. But then when you take the big swing, it rarely works. So they're afraid to take the big swings. So they don't, but they don't want to play it safe. So it's like, where does that, where's the, where's the in-between space between the big swing and the play it safe?
1: Yeah. And then I, I don't know. And I don't think anybody (laughs) knows, you know, and I think that when something goes, it happens quick. That's what I feel like is really
0: true. It's like dating. I always say, I always (laughs) say developments like dating, like if you don't get a call, the next day or that same afternoon. I think every... They don't like you. Yeah, like I've only (laughs) had a few projects in my life that have taken, you know, super long to even get to development deal phase. But usually if they want it, you're going to get that call really quickly. You know, it's going to move fairly quickly.
1: Yeah, I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true for everything that I've experienced. When it goes, it goes fast. Yeah. When it doesn't, when it's slow and you're like waiting,
0: I'm like yeah. Yeah, it's probably a bad sign, right?
1: Yeah, and I generally lose hope.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, right? It's hard to stay optimistic sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I think that I... I noticed, like, when I started here, I had, like, a real optimistic attitude, and I was developing stuff that, like, I would never develop now, because I just didn't know. Like, it was more exciting then, and I didn't have the knowledge of what I <laughs> you do You weren't now. beaten down yet. Exactly. Now I'm like, that's not going to work. That sucks. You know? Like
0: <laughs> This business turns you into Debbie yeah, Downer. I'm
1: like, oh, my God. Like, I hear myself sometimes, like, oh, my God, like terrible like I sound so jaded and
0: angry but (laughs) I know what you mean though how long have you been here
1: I've been here for four
0: years oh okay
1: cool um but in the last year uh my title changed Mm -hmm. so I've been given more responsibility here and I feel like a bit more freedom so that's been exciting
0: yeah I was gonna ask that like of how long a lease you're given to develop these passion projects that you hope to sell
1: I have a lot of freedom um, quite a bit. Um, I'm always watching, you know, the bottom line, Yeah, but, um, I, I pitch what I like and it's kind of open. And if they like it, I can move forward.
0: Do you ever pitch without tape?
1: Yes, I have. I, I will tease ideas all the time. Self pitch. Um, before I do it. Cause I like this dating show. I had no tape. Before yeah. it, I had nothing. Yeah. Um, and it went. Yeah. I, I pitched over the phone. I didn't even have a log line written. I had nothing.
0: I love it, that. It
1: was just... Old a, school. I knew it was good. <laughs> yeah. You... Um, but I think that... Um, but pitching with a deck, sometimes it works for the right thing. If it's, if it's the right idea. I think you have to really consider the pitch and what makes sense, too. Like, I do think about Brandt a lot to bring him back into this. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's,
0: let's bring a full circle, shall <laughs> we? <laughs>
1: His, you know, he wrote that book, The Three-Minute Rule, and, like, that does apply to everything that I do. That book um,
0: changed my life. Yeah. I mean, it's like you know it, but you don't know it till you read. I mean, he breaks it down so well.
1: Yeah. It's true. and And, like... Breaking down how you pitch and the things you say and the statements and like it makes me reconsider the way I've been talking about what I'm making and how I'm doing it and structuring everything.
0: I think he starts the book by saying that people like it's been proven in human behavior that people form an opinion within like the first 10 seconds of you talking or maybe within the first minute and i thought like oh that's crazy you know you need to hear the pitch you need to marinate with it but the truth is and i'm sure you you experience this too if someone says you tape or sends you a pitch you know pretty much right away if you're interested you know you then you'll go further to see but you know if you have good instincts you kind of know it's rare that it's going to take like you know more than 5 3 minutes for someone to like change your mind completely
1: you're right it's fully true <laughs> and i used to think like one thing he said that i that i think is interesting like um you know the the breaking stuff down into post its too has been truly helpful for me because um before i think i used to write stuff down in lengthy paragraphs and um when i started actually breaking down what i was saying into like two words and phrases it really helped me see ideas more fully um and understand them for what they were. And things started to make sense. And if something didn't make sense, then you know when you do that. And you scrap it. Um And I think that I would associate being confident with pitching in a room with how you present yourself and the way you look. It has nothing to do with that. Like I could look like total trash and walk into a room. But if I... Am fully confident about an idea I'm talking about, people are going to get with it because they glob on to what you're saying,
0: you know? I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I think you're right, like, 90%, but I do think if you're, like, just, like, you know, a complete schlub or whatever, that does send a message.
1: Yes, but, like, <laughs> if a schlub is telling me, like, the something, like, idea. and, like, I'm, like, and their pitch is, like, whoa, I'm going to be like, okay, this guy's kind of weird, but like, wow,
0: (laughs) that idea is good. Can you just take a shower? (laughs) You know,
1: like, it's not like, I think the most elegant, well-dressed person could come in, but like, they could not be confident about their idea. Like, the presentation is one thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. Like, people say like, oh, well, you know, they love you, so I'm sure it will go well. It's like, if that, if I would... Be rich, frankly. If if every relationship I have with you know a network person, whatever, just because they like me, bought my show. It just doesn't work like that. They might yeah. be more prone to hear the pitch and want it's a friendly room, as they say, but it's not gonna it's not gonna depend on, you know, like nobody's doing anybody any favors. You're right. I wish. <laughs> a few favors would be super nice. So what are we wrapping up? Just tell me what your um the kinds of things that you know you wanna be doing in the next five years and like what's your what are your goals um
1: I think in the next five years I would like to see this brand really get known for another series um that feels big like America's Funniest Home Videos and I think we have that coming up this year I'm very excited about it um and I think that, you know, I want us to get a few series on the air that feel a little different from what we're known for and kind of expand that a bit and um I think that that would really be gratifying for me. Um yeah, and maybe feel a little more comfortable in networking with people. That would be a good.
0: <laughs> now, do you drink? drink?
1: <laughs> Listen, to be honest with you, I only started drinking in the last year. Okay, I don't That's know, it's kind of
0: necessary.
1: I know. I, when I was 18, I like I did, I was kind of wild as a teen, At and Beverly
0: I, Hills upbringing.
1: I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I did everything I ever wanted to do before the age of 18. So by the time, you know, I was 18, I was over it. And I was like, I'm not drinking anymore. And I was just like grossed out by it. Like I had one bad night and I was like, I'm not drinking again. I'm really like black and white person. So like when I'm done, I'm done. So I didn't drink again until I went on a family trip with like everyone in my family for like 12 days. And I was like in Italy and I was like, okay, like <laughs> I give me a glass drinking. of wine. I'm going to freaking lose my mind. Yeah. And yeah, I... I started drinking on that trip and that was like a year ago. And now wow. I'm drinking just wine. Yeah. But yeah, it's taken me a minute to dip my toe in, but I have to say, I don't know why I've been <laughs> right. waiting so long. <laughs> right. Like, yes. what am I doing? It definitely
0: yeah. helps. It certainly makes real screen go down a lot easier.
1: Oh my God. Real screen. Did
0: you go to new Orleans?
1: I didn't do new Orleans cause I was at Nappy the week before. Oh, Okay. Um, But I, I did the year before. Yeah, I do Real Screen West.
0: Yeah, that's the better one. Were
1: you at this one?
0: No, I haven't been to the one in January in a long time, but I did go to Real Screen West this past year, which is so easy because it's right here.
1: Do you like going?
0: Um, I used to love it. And I'm kind of like an introverted extrovert. And so I can do really well with people, but then I need like, you know, a lot of time to decompress by myself. And that's my hardest part about Real Screen. It's like three days or whatever of just going, going, going. And also you have to be on, you're selling, even though nothing sells at Real Screen. And I I saw one thing at Real Scream my whole career. You have? Yeah, which is kind of amazing, right? Because no one sells anything. And um, other than that, it's just fun and social. But I'm not a huge drinker either. So for me, it's just like, it's a lot. It's a lot. But um, I'd rather just, you know, and I think more network executives are doing this now, just like have drinks a week before or whatever, you know, and
1: just feels more productive to have meetings booked like we're all in town like can't we just see these people in (laughs) meetings (laughs) totally
0: (laughs) i know it's silly i think everyone's kind of on the same page yeah so well it was so great to talk to you you
1: too thank you so much this was great yeah
0: thank you
1: i appreciate it thank you